but really keeping in mind the question, what's the worst that could happen? What is the worst that can happen if I try to do this company, if I try to do this painting or write this novel? This is Brave New Girl Podcast, and we share real stories with real impact. I'm your host, Lou Hamilton, and I'm a filmmaker, author, and artist, and passionate about storytelling for making a positive difference in the world. Your story matters. It tells of who you are and why you do what you do in the service of others. And my guests bring you their stories, their highs and lows, and courage gained along the way. Join us for the ride. This week's guest is Christina Snyder, founder of one of the best-known and well-respected artist agencies in the world with offices in New York and the UK. They represent a dynamic and diverse range of global illustrators, animators, designers and visual artists. She's committed to empowering her clients and artists to forge conscientious and creative collaborations. Welcome, Christina, to Brave New Girl Podcast. Hi, Christina. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Lou? I'm very good. So you're north of New York, just to give our listeners a sense of how worldly and global we are on this podcast. And uh, so it's the end of my day and the beginning of yours. I'm very excited about this because you run an art agency, you work with artists and I have a particular interest in this because I'm, I'm an artist myself. And I... I, I really am interested in how the art world has sort of exploded in every direction beyond the old gallery system, the auction houses, the, the sort of old way of doing things and the ability for people now to have access to art in a way that they didn't have before. Now, my son works for an organization, a company called Avant Art and they bring big name artists and big collectors together, but they are also starting to bring on board emerging artists and new collectors. And I myself uh, represented through Saatchi Art, which gives people all around the world access to artists of every type, of every price band, whether you want to buy or create a, um, a commission or whatever. So I... I'd really like to know from your perspective of, of having a, an artist agency, how you navigate this world that has sort of exploded online and exploded as sort of in every direction, which, which feels like it gives many more opportunities for artists and for people interested in art, but also I imagine causes complications too in terms of how much stuff there is out there so how has it been for you how is it now post pandemic yeah so um thank you very much for having me first of all lou it's really great to be here and i really admire your podcast i wanted to say that first and foremost um so we work with commercial artists as opposed to fine artists and so a lot of um people get that confused i want to clarify a commercial artist is somebody who gets commissioned by an ad agency or a graphic design agency, um, a publishing company or an editorial company. And throughout the pandemic, we were, of course, very nervous when it started because we thought, oh, God, here it comes. You know, the sort of the the the, the, the sort of drain downward trend. But 
like many other agencies like us, and we work with static illustration and also animated illustration, we experienced an upsurge in a very big way. Um, and I think the, the simple uh, explanation for that is that all of a sudden photography was harder to execute so that people with all the messages out in the world. And remember back to two and a half years ago, first of all, we had COVID, we had a pandemic, we had uh, Black Lives Matter in the States. We also had an upcoming election. We had the vaccine issue and then the election itself and a new president. So there were a lot of messages that had to put out in the world. And I feel that we had a lot more business all of a sudden in 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 that situation where communication was key and how do you communicate very easily in my mind you know illustration and animation speaks to a, it's a very direct medium and so i think that we were engaged to communicate a lot of those messages um, and it turned out to be a boon for us really great way for us to grow um, and, and so on the, on the topic of like fine art and collecting, we have artists that are fine artists uh, on the roster. We represent about 60 artists in two territories, um, the U.S. and the United Kingdom. And a lot of them have um, what you could call a day job. I mean, they are either designers and they work with us on their time off or they're fine artists and then they make money. Um, to sort of support themselves with commercial art and uh, maybe to go in a little bit deeper into the commercial art concept um, we as I said work with advertising agencies and we have our artists realize a concept that needs to be developed and communicated so that's my perspective then then you have the um, the, the perspective of the digital art that has been uh, coming out in the last couple of years, NFTs. And I've spoken about this on other podcasts. I'm not particularly uh, an expert on NFTs, but we have uh, been asked by clients to develop them with our artists. And a lot of our artists have actually done NFTs uh, on the side for themselves, and that's been quite successful. So that's a little bit about my perspective on this. And I want to know how you got to becoming the CEO of a, an artist agency. But first, uh, can we go back to, to your childhood? And are there any clues when you look back at the child that you were to the woman that you've become and the businesswoman that you've become? Well, I've thought about that, actually, um, because I listened to your a few of your podcasts and I started thinking about that. Um, I think for myself that I was I had a creativity that was very unrealized as a child. And that has to do with how I grew up. My parents were um, artistic, but there wasn't a sense that it had to do with anything that you did on an everyday um level. Um, my mother was a singer, my father had an interest in painting, and music was a big thing in my in my home. But it wasn't like, you know, they pulled out the crayons and the paper and drew and did crafty projects. And I thought a lot about that because I felt like it wasn't until I started high school, really, that I explored my own creativity. I did ceramics and 
you know, started photographing a lot. So, so when I look at my childhood now, after doing quite a bit of work on myself for the past couple of years, I see that I craved a creativity outlet that wasn't really there, except for a few um, rare uh, years where I, I was actually friends with a family who was very creative. And, uh, and, and in that context, I did a lot of creative things. So I think that it sort of built up and pent, was pent up in me. And it was when I found photography early on in high school and also went to photo school and was very interested in photography in my early 20s. That's when it really came out. And then uh, I found myself all of a sudden, that's a long story, um, in New York City. And I had... Um, decided to stay in New York City because I had met my future husband, Danny. And um, New York at the time, and we're talking early 90s here, it was a very, very rich ground for, for creativity. First of all, my husband was a musician and all of our friends, you know, what became my friends also were creative, either musicians or they were, you know, creating art in some way. Danny was actually, um, by the day, he was a mover. So he moved furniture at a company that had all the staff was like uh, creative people. They were musicians, painters, writers, actors, etc. So I landed in this very rich soup of creativity in New York. And I think that that is when things really turned for me, where I got in touch with people that were creative in the, in the true sense. Uh, and I explored that a lot. And then what led on was just that I worked in uh, photography. I was a photo editor and a photo researcher for years and years, almost like over a decade. And that in turn led to me just starting a photo repping agency uh, with not very much experience actually, but I thought yeah, somebody suggested it that I would look into it, and I did, and that led to what I do today. So in 2009, I founded a small division for illustrators called Snyder and the Swedes, because I'm Swedish, so I thought that was kind of clever, and, <laughs> and uh, that led to a few iterations of Snyder, which is, uh, is the name today, and we launched our new look, our new branding, our new website in January of this year. Going back to the time when you first moved to New York and, you know, you had no money, no connections, but somehow you gravitated towards this group of people, this creative environment. And I wonder how much that was accidental or that there was something in you that kind of was yearning that and pulled you towards that kind of world and how much you know if you'd have gone down a I don't know a corporate route whether that would have eventually found you I have I personally have this yeah. this feeling that if you're creative or artistic that eventually it will come and yank you <laughs> yank you by your shirt and pull you back in <laughs> Yeah, that's such an interesting way. You know, I've never thought of that. I just knew for some reason that I had to leave my uh, then hometown of Stockholm. 
it was very adventurous and I, I wanted to, I craved like something different. And I was actually always, I was always thinking of New York City as a terrible place that I would never want to go there. And it seemed really scary. And oh my God, that is like the worst place. But then I just ended up there um, because I was traveling with a friend and she was American and I just landed in New York, kind of walking around with huge eyes and feeling like a tiny, tiny ant <laughs> on the streets of Manhattan. But then what really happened was, and maybe this is where fate stepped in, because I did meet my, my future husband after three days in New York City. And that was an immediate attraction. So in a way, maybe you're right. Maybe it just found me that I, I had the, the bravery to, to go and what I say call like jump into the cold water. That's a, that's my homemade theory that you should always try to be brave and, and, and do things like that feel slightly uncomfortable. And it was uncomfortable. It, it was very exhilarating. Um, and amazing to be in love and to be in the city where everything was so um, really, really different from Stockholm. But it was also a growth period um, and, and was sometimes uncomfortable. You know, I was away from home. I had no friends, really. I had a boyfriend um, and an apartment. Uh, but apart from that, there was very little that I could call my own. It's very interesting, isn't it? Because that world of creative people and artists can be quite precarious. There's, there's not always a, a straightforward route to, to earning money and it's not always um, a way of, of living that is um, predictable and reliable and you, know, you don't have a sense of security. And, and you were part of that. And then you ended up representing people who also live sort of between having a job and doing something on the side. And, you know, you have to be creative in, in how you make a living, but you do manage to live a life that is, that is deeply entrenched in, in what you love. And, and so as you were rising up through this world of, of creatives and artists and starting to get a sense of, yeah. well, actually, maybe I can represent them and help them to get work and, and I can be their sort of guide and, and navigator. You also then had to learn the rules of, of running a business. And so how do you, do you manage to straddle the, the creative side and the business side, the entrepreneurial side, which also I've believed to be very creative yeah you know my my mother used to ask me things like how do you know to do what you do and what is it that you do she she didn't really understand what I was doing when I first started my photography repping business in uh, 2002 and I can say honestly that I I didn't really didn't really have much to bring except for this sort of conviction and belief that things would be okay and why not try it so the entrepreneurial side of me is something that i've developed fairly late in life i had no inkling when i was doing um you know my day job as a photo editor and going to my husband my husband's gigs at night like that i would own an agency 
that I would um, represent artists and that I wouldn't be an expert in that. I have absolutely no idea that that would be in me, to be honest. But I, I think I just, I just, <laughs> just like when I um, married my husband, I didn't really think about it too much. I went on instinct and I thought, yeah, 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 I can do this. Sure. Why not? And that's then become part of my philosophy that you have to try and you have to be brave and you have to be willing to, to fail if it doesn't work, work out. So I came from this existence where we were both in the arts. I was shooting a lot of photography. My husband was playing and we had nothing. Like you said, it was hand to mouth and it was a very free existence because we, we didn't really have any uh, responsibilities. You know, in those days in New York, you had a cheap apartment and you ate really cheaply and, um, you know, social life was plentiful and going out to have drinks cost nothing. So I, I went from this like uh, life that where I didn't have a lot of responsibility to all of a sudden having a roster of photographers where I was responsible to bring them work. And so I can't really put it together yet, except for um, my spirit of curiosity and, and thinking, I'll give it a try. Why not? Like I, I can always do something else. So I didn't really have a lot of expectations, to be honest. I just did it. And it sounds not very glamorous, but that's literally what it was, yeah. Well, I think most of us, get to where we are in a very wiggly route that we're just kind of yeah finding our way finding the next step doing what we can being being creative and curious i think that's that's the way to build things isn't it and with your agency it's coincidence isn't it yeah yeah i think i think so and it's sort of using living on your wits and and being prepared to be sort of adaptable and and flexible and um and seeing where the opportunities yeah. are. But running an agency is not a piece of cake. I, I have an, a podcast guest agency and um, I know that, you know, it's really quite challenging. It's fantastic. And, uh, but it also comes as with any business that you're growing, it comes with its, its challenges. And so, you know, you've got the responsibility of finding work for, for artists and keeping them that, keeping the agency growing and growing the agency. How do you navigate that? Well, thankfully now we're a bigger team. So I, I think that back in the days when I was doing everything myself, it was extra, I, I've never worked as hard in my life as what I did in those days. And we're talking maybe, um, yeah, maybe 10, 10, well, 12 years ago. So it wasn't until yeah. I started working with other people that I found my true calling, which is being the creative mind um, and sort of ideator for the company. So that's really made a huge difference. I mean, I think that happens with ownership, but also seniority. And so now my job is to be the CEO and, and, and lead the company creatively with, obviously, all of the other people. It's a very what I like to say is it, it's a democracy um, with me sort of trying to lead it and form it and listen to ideas, etc. So I think um, it's a vast difference uh, from the beginning of when I started to now. 
and that feels really good because I have more control now and I have more sort of overview and um, it suits me better I would say than than doing the sort of day-to-day -day and talking to clients I mean I love to talk to our artists and to our clients but my real strong point now I've grown into um, having ideas for the company and implementing them, hiring people, finding the right people. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit how I see it. In the world that has evolved over the last few years, we, we all have access to ways of creating content in a way that we were never able to before. And so People feel like, oh, well, I've got to be doing my own marketing. And even if they hate it, they've got to be creating socials. They've got to be creating images and words and, and you know, maybe downloading stuff from online to use as the imagery that they're going to use. So how has that impacted working with artists and, and actually artists getting commissioned to, to do the work rather than people just going, oh, I can just grab this and use that and that'll be fine. Yeah, you would think that, that it would have sort of diminished the need for uh, content. I mean, content creators, uh, they're not influencers, but they're the people like in on our roster, the people that, um, the artists, I should say, that create things for people to, to run through their social channels. Um, so we came up... Uh, Snyder New York, that was the name at the time, um, was started in 2013. I changed the name and started over. And uh, at that time, you know, GIFs and social media was just starting. So that really helped us a lot uh, to sort of get momentum uh, and being known for being great content creators. So what I think now, though, is that the 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 noise and all of the channels and this this constant din of social media has actually created somewhat of a a more specific demand because we have seen everything it feels it can feel like that at times don't you agree it's like oh yeah i've seen this already i've seen this technique i've seen this artist so my theory is a little bit that because there's so many outlets and so much of it it's actually created a demand for the even more amazing artwork, the unusual technique and, and things that we haven't seen before. Yeah, and I think artists tend, and creatives tend to have a tendency to be on the forefront and they're pioneering, they're cutting edge, they're always exploring beyond what exists and readily available. And so I think that they're always going to be stand out because they're always going to be different. And, you know, if people catch up quickly, the artists are already ahead. Yeah. And there's also trends like with everything else, like fashion trends or, uh, you know, trends of any kind. There's there's on social, there's definitely trends of artwork that sort of appears for a few years, perhaps. And then it sort of is nowhere to be found. So it moves really quickly, in my opinion. And the driving force is still, for us at least, is uh, Instagram. So it'll be interesting to see if TikTok takes over. So far, we haven't really invested in TikTok that much. But Instagram um, and our own marketing and promotion is what drives our presence most of all. And I've also seen a real rise in, in brands 
exploring i mean there have always been some brands that have been really out there and and prepared to sort of work with artists and uh, in all medium and really do some very different campaigns I mean, Benetton springs to mind, Nike, the old Guinness ads, you know, there, yeah. there were always the kind of real standouts that people would go, wow, that's just incredible. But I think more and more brands are seeing the power of collaboration with artists and creatives. And so how, how have you experienced that with your agency? Well, we, we see that all the time. I mean, we get inquiries uh, daily, weekly, that really invite our artists to do great collaborations. I mean, one thing that came to mind just uh, when you said that is Nike, uh, who just collaborated with uh, Angela Kirkwood on some amazing animated pieces. And so we, it's hard to single out um, something that has made a huge difference, but that is something that we are seeing all the time. And that's very encouraging because it, it sort of empowers us also to seek out partnerships with uh, organizations or brands that we really, really like. Like um, we have this um, current uh, infatuation with Patagonia right now because they, you know, that thing that, did you hear about that? Oh, yeah. Amazing. yeah, yeah. So now we're sort of like, oh, Patagonia is our dream client because the thing about Snyder and all of us is that we have a strong ethos and pathos for certain causes. And um, without bragging too much, I just want to say that it's important to have a point of view and to be able to stand up for your, for your convictions, even if you are selling art for money. So we have done a lot of work with organizations that we really believe in. Uh, and we donate back our commission, etc. And not to be too goody two shoes about it, but it's really important to 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 sort of show the world what you stand for. You, you have to have a, an opinion about certain things. And I'm talking about um, in the states, you know, abortion rights. Uh, we're talking about what's going on in Iran right now. Um, other issues like uh, environment, uh, water, health, like ocean health. There's many, many uh, causes that we are, are keen to sort of help um, amplify their message. And in some cases, they come to us, and in other cases, we seek them out. So that, that's an incredible power. And it's also incredibly empowering uh, to have a company with all of us, with all of our ideas, um, where we can actually help on that level. Because, of course, we all donate money. And, and we help in whatever way we can. But this is a real uh, particular offer that we can go to um, a brand or an organization and say, take advantage of us. We are here. We will help you. There are artists that will do this for you for free just to help put out that message. I recently joined Creatives for Climate. And, and that's very much about using artists and creatives to basically sort of help with the communications around climate change and climate solutions. Can you explain a little bit uh, for my listeners about Patagonia for those that didn't hear about that incredible act? Yes. So the founder of, uh, one of the founders, I should say, I don't recall his name right now, but he, he is uh, in his 80s and he founded Patagonia with a co-founder, I believe, in the 70s or even the 60s, I believe. I saw this amazing documentary about it 
And so what he did was he um, transferred the ownership to basically um, the, the people that work for Patagonia. So that, I don't know all the details, um, but I, I was in touch with somebody who works at Patagonia, who's a friend of mine. And I said to her, um, you know, that I, I wanted to really, um, you know, communicate that if, if you needed any kind of like help with communicating whatever issue around it, um, I would be, I would be happy to ask our artists. And they were also very vocal when it uh, came to the abortion rights uh, being taken away in certain states here in the U.S. And uh, same thing there. So, so in brief, that's what happened. The owner of Patagonia gave away the company or transferred the ownership to the to the employees. I always find it intriguing. I'm not sure that's the right word. That countries where there's a very oppressive regime, they always try and do away with the creatives and artists first because they see them as dangerous. And that, to me, says the power it underlies the power of the image and the word and the music the lyrics all of those those things that you know we have a tendency in in the world to sideline art and actually that shows how powerful it is yeah and i think a lot about the direct impact that art has you know I talked about my childhood before and I said that my parents weren't really like pulling out the crayons and paper, but very often that's what happens with kids. You know, we are all growing up uh, doodling and drawing and hours and hours just drawing from, from our imaginations. And I, I was um, thinking that maybe that's why it's so powerful because we all know it on some level. You know, we all know that sort of the power of art and how it makes us feel. And that's why it has such an impact, uh, such a direct impact in a way that music and the written word doesn't have. That's what I think. I mean, I go to art museums a lot. I just love standing in front of a painting and trying to sort of soak it in. And it does something to me. It communicates something in a way that... A written piece maybe wouldn't in the same way with the world in the maybe i can say the state that it's in and kind of worrying times ahead possibly how do you see the art world helping people and the planet for the future a great outcome would be to unite people um, behind art what comes to mind is do you remember a few years ago when there were terrorist attacks all over Europe, we had France, we had London, um, we had other places. And what we saw then was an immediate reaction on Instagram. Like, you know, I, what comes to mind is the dove uh, symbol and that in a certain way, I felt that that unified people because you would see it and repost it. And we would all like it was sort of trail through the world of Instagram and we would all be like thinking and looking at the same thing. So that's just one thing that came to mind. If we were to rip up our the system, the world as it is, and with our innate artistic and creative life force within us as humans, how would you see a vision for the future? Wow, that's a really powerful, deep question. 
my vision for the future is just world peace and let's try not to um, kill each other you know I, t I wish i had a better answer but i really don't do you know i think the simplest answer is the best because then that's something that we can all grasp it's something that we can all work towards yeah. whether we're artists or not we're all creatives yeah. as humans so having a simple goal is something that's manageable for each and every one of us in in our own in our own way taking our own baby steps in the light of the work that you do and the impact that you have with your artists how do you define courage i define courage as um taking a risk taking a chance doing it with uh compassion without hurting anybody but really keeping in mind the question what's the worst that could happen what is the worst that can happen if I try to open this or do this company, if I try to do this painting or write this novel or play a piece of music, um, am I going to be celebrated? And is it, is that why I'm doing it? Um, questioning your motivation behind it, but really being brave. I mean, bravery to me is, is putting yourself out there and exposing yourself and not expecting perfection necessarily. Thank you so much, Christina, for leading us on a journey through the lives of creative and artistic people and showing us how art has such a positive impact on the world. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful to talk to you. And you, Lou. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, Christina, for showing us that growing organically and celebrating our creativity will lead us to living fully expressed lives that bring us fulfillment and purpose. You can find out more about Christina on www.wearesnider.com US and follow her on LinkedIn at Christina Snyder. Thank you, Brave New Girl Media, for producing and sourcing the guests for the show and to you for listening. I hope today's story inspires you to step into the spotlight and show how you too are positively impacting the world. Take care, choose courage, and see you next time.